everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is the weekend warm-up show. You are here with Samrin. Chuck is absent this week. I cannot be sure that I will be as great as Chuck, but let's get started. So, you are probably tired of hearing about this now, and you probably have been tired of hearing about this for the past few weeks, but I must, 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 unfortunately, reiterate Robert Lewandowski's situation at Bayern Munich. Lewandowski, as we know, is off to sunnier pastures, quite literally, I can't help it, to Barcelona. Barcelona promised Bayern money, somewhere in the 50 to 60 range. I hope Bayern checks their bank account. By now, Levy has already probably gone off. But with Barcelona's financial situation, it is really hard to know who's going to get paid when. Just ask, just ask De Jong. So, I, I have probably been one of the more vocal critics of Robert Lewandowski, not in terms of his playing style not in terms of his dedication to the team but more so how much he really feels about Bayern Munich I have never really felt that Robert Lewandowski had Bayern Munich in his heart until Hansi Flick came on and that's when I started liking Robert Lewandowski more to the point of even loving him as a Bayern player once Flick left, that connection with Bayern seemed to dwindle back into just mere professionalism. And let me just say right here that be- just because somebody is being merely professional does not mean that they are not giving 100%. I think Rob Lewandowski gave 100%, even 110% sometimes in matches and... He was always a top professional, and his teammates also said much of that as well after his departure. I just think sometimes I expect players who have stayed at Bayern for so long to feel the way that I do about the club, to feel the way that perhaps even Thomas Muller does about the club, but we can't expect that. At the end of the day, being a footballer is Lewandowski's job title. He is not simply a footballer he is a father he is a husband he is a son he has many more titles that are much more endearing to him beyond that of striker at FC Bayern Munich that is not his identity his passions his ambitions extend beyond Bayern and that is true of many of us who work regular jobs we we work because we have to we we work to an extent because we want to as well but our jobs are not everything to us so i can't fault Lewandowski for feeling that way but as a fan it was hard to find that part of him particularly endearing i understood it i didn't necessarily love it but when the news broke out at first there was a sigh of relief from me that Oh, this is finally over. I don't have to talk about this anymore. I don't have to write about this anymore. I don't want to cover this anymore. And it was followed by sadness. Uh, There are many Bayern fans who can attest to the fact that they have never known a Robert Lewandowski less Bayern Munich. I have. 
I've known Byron for a much longer time than Robert Lewandowski has been part of this club. But eight years is still a really long time. And it will take a little bit of adjusting to not see Lewandowski out as Byron's out and out number nine. I hear Nagelsmann is already trying the 4-2-2-2 and I'm already tearing my hair out. I'm not even ahead of the DC United game. It's it's a little bit scary to think about and we're going to talk more about that game as we go on. But it's it's different, you know? Bayern has relied on this world-class number nine, who I believe has been the best player in the world for the last two to three seasons, who has been top five in the world for a very long time. Yes, there is that argument that Lewandowski never produces at the top level of Champions League games, but the last two seasons of Bayern's Champions League games were really decided, in a sense, by Lewandowski's absence or presence. His presence against Villarreal gave us a chance. We really didn't. He created a goal out of nothing, and we had hope in, late into that second leg. Not much was happening, but if there was anyone who could bail us out of trouble, it would be Lewandowski, and he almost did. The season before that, his absence was what really led to Bayern's exit against PSG because... I think it was something like 31 shots in the first leg. Lewandowski would have converted some of those. So, unfortunately, his absence ended up deciding that tie. Although Chupo did a really great job coming in for Lewandowski. That being said, yes, he didn't produce in the top games. But his presence led to Bayern being able to carve defenses apart. The reason that Thomas Muller was able to score in those knockout rounds is to some extent Lewandowski he created the space for Muller to sort of round doiter his way in and score multiple times many of those coming against Barcelona what I have to say is talent wise it is really hard to find someone like Lewandowski Miraclosa who is one of my all time favorite strikers he he was a hard working guy he had quite a few talents but he didn't quite play the game with as much grace as Lewandowski. There is something so beautiful about the Polish striker's game. His assists, his goals, everything. Yeah, there are some tap-ins and there are some really shaky ones and some opportunistic ones, whatever you expect from a great striker. But there's just so many beautiful moments. Tellingly, his last goal came against Wolfsburg if I remember correctly a side who he made history against by scoring as you remember five goals in nine minutes and shocking Pep Guardiola Lewandowski's talent has not been missed by any Bayern coach Lewandowski's talent is obvious to the world and he is not just one of the most talented players in his generation he is I think one of the most talented players in the history of the game and he has carved a place for himself in the history of the game so Bayern gets a lot of money it's a great deal he is a striker on the very wrong side of 30 and who had one year on his deal left so Bayern is getting a great deal out of this they're making a fair amount of money especially to cover the Matas Delict transfer which we're also going to speak about um, but 
it still hurts to lose someone like Lewandowski. What I am most afraid of is this kind of let's Nagelsmann loose and he's going to try crazy things uh, next season. And I can't imagine the different ways that he might play. And I'm afraid to imagine the different ways that he might play. But Bayern has stood firm to a 4-5-1 since the Louis van Gaal days. And uh, now with Lewandowski gone, that might change. And it is going to be a big change because this is the way that Bayern has operated for 12, 13 years now. Uh, a lot of fans don't know a Bayern that did not play uh, 4-5-1 basically as their main formation. Rarely has Bayern gone away from that one striker up top method except late in games when they would throw on if anyone remembers Daniel Van Byten to try and get a goal it is unfortunate the way that this ends Lewandowski's final days were not exactly covered in glory he pushed this transfer through I still don't perfectly buy the argument that the board's moves made him so unhappy that he decided to go to another club I think he always wanted to go to Spain and I think the board's behavior which is inexcusable by the way gave him an excuse to pack his bags and to move to Spain this is my way of saying that I had a love-hate relationship with Robert Lewandowski being Bayern's front man but I will miss him and it will be so strange to see a Bayern without Lewandowski um I had a rough time dealing with the Lamless Bayern. I had a rough time dealing with the Schweinsteiger Less Bayern. I cannot imagine a Muller Less Bayern. I like to say that uh, Muller basically came up with my Bayern fandom. I think in my second or third full season of watching Bayern, Muller made his debut. So it's hard to ignore that. It, these attachments grow over time and although Lewandowski came from Dortmund and I remember his goals against Real Madrid in the Champions League he felt very much like a Bayern player and I also very much feel that when history looks back on Lewandowski's career he is mainly going to be regarded as a Bayern Munich player love it or hate it whether he likes it or not this is the club where he spent his best years and this is the club He's going to be remembered most for. So, on that note, I guess we can move on from Robert Lewandowski. There's, there's been a few really, really big pieces of news, but not the biggest pieces of news coming out. Of course, Matthias Delict is the big, big one, but we're going to get to that. I think I want to talk about. Leon Goretzka first and uh, the news came out uh, yesterday I'm recording this about yeah 24 hours after the news broke that that Leon Goretzka is going to be out with another long-term injury which doesn't really shock me I am one of Leon Goretzka's biggest fans and I think I think his absence was thoroughly felt by the team last season. 
him not being at his best, him being rushed back from injury. Well, Byron kind of had to rush him back from injury because when Lewandowski, rather when Goretzka is not there, his absence is really, really felt. And the Goretzka-Kimmich double pivot, it really doesn't get better than that. Yes, Byron have many players in their ranks right now who can fill in as the second player in the double pivot next to Kimmich. But Leon Goretzka's career so far at Bayern, especially lately, has shown that he is extremely injury prone. And I don't see any reason why that might change in the near future. I'm not even surprised to hear he has gotten injured. Um, When Bayern gave him a long-term contract, I thought as a fan that this was the right thing to do. He's a brilliant player and there are not many like him. There are not so many like... I guess sharp number eights in his role who can go into the box, who can score goals, who can tackle, who can man the defensive midfield, who can man the defense even if needed. But yeah, this was not this was not great news and he has been missing larger chunks of each season. So I objectively speaking I don't think it was the most brilliant decision by the board to extend Goretzka in the long term I am almost scared that he might go the way of Holger Bachtuber I really hope it he doesn't I hope this is the last injury he has to deal with in a long time and he comes back really strong and takes his place next to Kimmich but for now I don't think Bayern can rely on having Goretzka available on a regular basis. And it is good that Bayern went out and signed reinforcements. So speaking of which, the third piece that I want to talk about is Conrad Leimer. Um, While Goretzka is injured, I still think Bayern has enough midfielders to cover Goretzka's role. I don't think it is necessarily going to be the right decision to sign yet another Leipzig player. I don't have enough faith in Nagelsmann to say that he will incorporate a former charge of his well into the team. It didn't happen with Sabitzer. In fact, it failed pretty horribly with Sabitzer. So I'm a little bit scared of Bayern going out and attaining Limer services. I would rather that they didn't for now and while finding a player to replace Leon Goretzka if anything if these injuries keep happening again and again is really really difficult I don't necessarily think Limer is the one to be able to do that so I would almost rather that Bayern tries and includes Gravenberg and make something out of him in that role rather than get another player. And if they do get someone, go even younger than Leimer. But another Leipzig player after what happened with Sabitzer does not feel like the safest bet to me. So... I don't know if both pieces of news that we talked about were necessarily bad. Robert Lewandowski's departure gives us Bayern a lot of money and helps cover the delict transfer. Whereas Goretzka's injury leaves Bayern absent with a hole in midfield. But 
I wouldn't call either piece of news, even the Lewandowski one, good news. I think it is too early to even say how a strikerless Bayern might look like because as far as I'm concerned, yes, there's Chupo, but Bayern are basically strikerless for now. So, moving on, let us finally talk about the third big thing, which is really actually the biggest thing that happened, which is the signature of Matthijs de Ligt. He becomes one of the most expensive players in Bayern history. Everyone seems to have only positive things to say about him. He himself preferred to come to Bayern. Great, 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 fine. He's young, he's great, I've heard good things about him. It, well, in doesn't always have good things to say about him, but um, I Need No Name can give his own take when he's on one of his podcasts, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know much about Delict, to be honest. I don't watch a lot of Juventus. I barely watch Juventus, except when they're in the Champions League. I was going to make fun of Juventus, but this is the point where I pause and I remind myself that Juventus was knocked out by the exact same team that we were knocked out of in last season Champions League. And with Nagelsmann as our coach, there are there's no way I'm taking a chance on this again. So, rewind. No making fun of Juventus. I can't say much about it. I just worry about a couple of things. So, we have a new-ish defense. So, Hernandez is one of the old old guys, technically, at this point. With Zule gone, uh, Delict comes in. Not necessarily as a like-for-like, but as a reinforcement. Davies might play in defense, might play in a 3-5-2 formation, depending on, well, you know, I don't know how many will have up front, depending on how Nagelsmann decides to operate next season. So, in terms of old heads, it is really Hernandez, Davies, and Pava. And Pava as we know, has had two pretty average seasons back-to-back. And for all we know, he won't necessarily be the starter in the right-back berth. It, there's, there's a couple of ways this can go. And one of those ways is Mazrawi playing in the right-back slot. Other than that, Bayern have Dayo Upamecano, who did not inspire the most confidence last season. Chris Richards, it's more and more looking like will be sold, which is a shame because I really did think he had a lot more poten- he had a lot of potential. So Bayern is placing a lot of faith in Delict. And I have heard things here and there about Delict being the leader of the defense, but I really think that will go down to Hernandez. He will have to be the guy who organizes it. I think his German's gotten better. I think at this point they might they might all speak English. I don't know if Hernandez speaks English, but I really think it'll go it, a lot of how the defense functions will come down to Hernandez next season. He'll have to keep it together. He'll have to keep the directions. He'll have to give the directions and he'll have to keep things going. I don't think Pavar is necessarily a leader at the back or too much of a leader anyway. Davies' role will be a hybrid. 
So, and he, I think Davis is actually far too young to be trusted to be the organizer of the back four, back three, whatever it's a hybrid back three, four, whatever it will be next season. So, Dilik costs a lot of money. He's new, but he's going to take a season to adjust. Even Hernandez, who costs a similar amount of money, took an entire season to adjust. So, I'm not expecting too much from Dilik. I barely know anything about him, but from people's expectations they seem to be pretty high from what the board has mentioned if they're willing to pay that much for a defender they must really believe in him I think the jury will be out on him for an entire season so it'll be really interesting to see how things play out with Delict I'm just not willing to put my eggs in the Delict basket just yet I really, really do think how Bayern's performance at the back four, on the back four um, in defense turns out next season will come down to Hernandez. Okay, moving on from one sort of old head to another sort of old head. The fourth story this week, Serge Gnabry. Serge Gnabry extended his contract to 2026, I want to say. And... I'm not really sure how I feel about this. I think I had mentally prepared myself for the sale of Gnabry because it seemed like nobody really knew why he wanted to leave and there were some interested English suitors in him for him. He chose to stay. I like Gnabry simply for his raw talent. He has a lot of it. He has a shot unlike any of Bayern's wingers and he can be brilliant on his day, but on his day is such a rare phrase to use with Gnabry. Everyone knows about the inconsistencies of Barnes Winkers, but we got inconsistent Leroy Sané and expensive Leroy Sané. So I don't know whether Bayern made the right call here. It'll be interesting to see how much Gnabry plays. I think a factor in this might have been that Gnabry actually knows Julian Nagelsmann in a sense, because he is one of Julian Nagelsmann's former players, but I don't know how much that has an influence on anything considering that Zule did leave the club regardless and that uh, Marcel Sabitzer is having such a tough time at Bayern. So it really remains to be seen whether this was the right decision. For now, I'm going to lean to a yes. I like Gnabry. And maybe with Lewandowski's departure and with the goal scoring having to be more spread around between the wingers. Oh my God, Sané. I'm sorry, I keep bringing up Sané, but his inconsistency. I'm reminded of his inconsistencies the closer we get to the start of the season. And he continues to just bug me. Like, how can a player who is who has just so much raw talent be wasting it like this every single season? There were even rumors about a possible signing departure. He shut them down. He wants to prove himself at the club. And yes, he has to prove himself because he has barely proven anything yet. Except that he's willing to defend, which I really do appreciate. So, I really am interested in seeing how the goal scoring distribution goes down next season. Muller will probably end up contributing more. Um, or at least he'll have to come up with a similar number of assists spread more fairly around the team than most of it going to Robert Lewandowski. Coman will have to score more. Zane will have to score more. Mane will take over some of those goal-scoring um, duties of Lewandowski. Some of them will have to come from the midfield. Maybe Kimmich will have to pitch in with a few more. But 40 to 50 goals a season is not easy 
to replace. I really do think this is a do or die season for Bayern's wingers to see who stays on the team, who makes it to the bench, because there's a very eager and very talented and pretty consistent Jamal Muziala waiting to take over the spot of anybody who's inconsistent. I think Muziala will get tired of sitting on the bench. He is not a player who should be sitting on the bench. I still think his minutes need some management. He's still too young to be playing every game in and out. Dortmund nearly ruined Haaland like this by playing him far too often than they should have. And he turned out to be quite injury prone. So I think Sané, the jury is out on Sané and Gabri. I actually think Coman is the one who shouldn't hit the bench. Not just because of his Champions League final winning goal, which now seems forever ago, but in reality was actually less than two years ago, believe it or not. I think Coman has been was our most consistent winger last season. The numbers didn't always reflect it, but in matches he was the one creating the most dangerous of situations compared to Sane who would just, you know, walk in and lose the ball and just miss some golden opportunities. So Gnabry or Zane's place is up for grabs this season by Muziala. And I think Nagelsmann is a good enough coach, no matter what else I think of him, to see that it's a waste to not let Muziala play. Which is the con, which is the underside, uh, which is um, the negative side of extending Gnabry. Because I think... Bayern could have made a profit off of Gnabry and just given that slot to Muziala. They could have gotten away with it. I don't. Depth is always good. I personally prefer a smaller squad, which everybody will yell at me about because we all know Bayern players tend to be more injury prone than regular players. Duh. Why would you want a smaller squad knowing that there will be only 10 players available by the time the Champions League quarterfinals comes around if Bayern makes it that far? Duh. But. To me, that is the beauty of Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich does not need a 70-man squad to win a title. We're not Manchester City. We don't have endless pits of money, although these days it seems like there's a lot of money in this club. Yes, the fans returned, but only for like a third of the season. So I don't know where it's coming from. But point being that, yes, Bayern's been smart about selling players here and there and raising some money, such as Omar Richards, who went for a profit. Uh, I think Christopher Richards is also going to go and there will be some profit to be made from there. Bayern made a profit off of Robert Lewandowski. All that being said, the beauty of Bayern Munich is in the small squad and how their tiny squads can go so far and conquer so much. Whereas other teams need three, four times the squad size to be able to have comparable results. So... I always liked the small squad. I feel feel like it built team harmony. It allowed less, fewer concerns. It allowed everybody to have more minutes, and it kept everybody happy. FC Hollywood will return very quickly if everybody is not getting a fair amount of playing time. If nobody, if there are players who are not getting significant numbers of minutes even as subs this is going to come back to bite Bayern we can't just rely on players getting injured yes it's already happened to Leon Gretzka without stating the obvious but I don't know I just I don't like the idea of Bayern having a massive squad so 
that's one of the undersides of Gnabry from uh, that's one of the negative sides of extending Gnabry for me I would have rather that Brian kept the squad a good size and not had Gnabry in there but overall just about like the thinnest of margins I am happy Gnabry staying just because it is so nice to see a familiar face I've been watching Gnabry for a long time I knew him as a talent when he was at Arsenal. I was so, so happy when his career starting to go up in Germany again after some struggles at West Brom and in England in general. And, well, he's he's a story of how you can struggle, but you can make it because he found himself at Bayern Munich and, boy, he won everything there is to win. So that one's interesting for me. I... It'll be interesting to see the winger situation. I will be a very interested party in seeing how this pans out. Now, I guess this is my four and a half point rather than my fifth point for today. And that is the pyrotechnic situation. Uh, Bayern was recently fined for fans lighting up flares on the ground. I think it was against Mainz. Bachum was similarly fined. And I just want to bring this up because while this is not big news I think it highlights something important here and that is that the Bundesliga's number one of the Bundesliga's main concerns probably the number one concern remains fan safety because yes the fans returned and the fans were gone for a long time and the stadiums felt like there was no atmosphere Bundesliga does not use crowd noise it was interesting to hear the players don't get me wrong but it felt great to have the crowds back so just because the crowds were back and just because money was returning to the pockets of Bundesliga clubs it did not give the club's fans excuses to behave in ways that might endanger fellow uh, fellow fans so I think it was a really great step by the Bundesliga to go ahead and actually find Bayern for the flares that their fans through flares can be dangerous you don't want to put anyone's life in danger and everyone's life has been in a lot of danger in the past few years needless to say more than we are used to world events haven't exactly been pleasant to look at for the last few years that being said i'm glad the fans are back i'm glad that put money in barnes pockets but Fan culture, friendly fan culture means taking care of each other and making sure that there are no dangerous events going on at the stadiums. All right. The last thing that I think I want to touch upon briefly is, again, this is more like half a point than an entire point, is Bayern Munich spending. Bayern tends to go heavy on spending when they think they have had a poor season. Javi Martinez came after oh, failure of all failures. Let's just put it that way. Before that, a heavy investment went into the Robin transfer when Bayern felt stagnant. This time, Bayern has invested a lot of money in a lot of players. Yes, they made some money too. And that tells me that Bayern did really look at last season as a failure rather than as an achievement. Uh Usually a Bundesliga title is not enough to satisfy Bayern, but it was Julian Nagelsmann's first season in charge, and there will be a lot of pressure on Nagelsmann 
to prove himself. We're going to start with the friendlies against DC United and Manchester City in the United States, of course. On that, we are going to have a separate podcast out to cover both games and reactions to both of those matches. And when the regular season resumes, we are going to go back to previews for all the games and a post-game podcast covering each and every game specifically. Just want to let everybody know. I'm sure our regular listeners know, but I just wanted to give everyone a heads up nonetheless. So that's it for me. Samrin, please help support BFW's quest to be the best by voting for us on the World Soccer Talk Awards Best Club Podcast. I will include the link in the article that accompanies this podcast. Please, 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 it would mean a lot to us. If you like our work, of course. If you hate us, go vote for the Tottenham Podcast or the Arsenal Podcast. Don't don't vote for us. But if you like us, please do. And as always, we love your feedback and appreciate all the support. Be sure to stay tuned to Bavarian Podcast Works, as always, for all of your up-to-date coverage in Bayern Munich and Germany. Follow us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks, at Jefferson Fenner, at The Barra Blog, at TommyAdam71, at BFWN, and more. Of course, we also have Schnitzel on the podcast. We have Teddy on the podcast. We have Fergus on the podcast. And you know me. You've heard my voice for a while. This is... Samrin, um, I do want to touch on one small thing before we go. I know Chuck talked about Better Call Saul in his weekend warm-up podcast, and that returning episode was so great. If you don't want to hear spoilers, turn it off right now, but I cannot believe that Lalo was killed within one episode of the return. Okay, again, this has been Samrin. It has been a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you for listening as always and keep coming back. We have more and more news. We have more and more opinion pieces and we have a great staff of writers to fill up your Bayern Munich agenda and to let you know all things Bayern Munich. Take care. Enjoy the preseason friendlies. I hope I'll enjoy them too. And have a good night.